ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Coming at you on Ash Wednesday. Good morning, everyone. I hope you all had a wonderful Mardi Gras. For those that got to celebrate, for some of you that work in industries where you weren't able to, I feel for you. And I mean that. It's it's a great holiday. Love the culture of Mardi Gras. I love that we do it down here. Beautiful day yesterday. For anyone that got out to any of the parades or maybe you were in them, took part in them, whatever it may be. Hope you all had a great, maybe 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 you had the day off. Maybe you didn't have to work, you didn't do anything, you just chilled at home. I hope you enjoyed that too. I hope you enjoyed that too. We got a lot to get into this morning. Uh, a couple of coach interviews this morning. Rage Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow will be on with me at 7.15 on the phone line. His team uh, coming off of, you know, a weekend where uh, they won the games they were supposed to and the ones that they weren't favored to win, they, they got mercy ruled, and that was against Alabama. Talk to Coach Glasgow a little bit after the game last Sunday in Youngsville, and we'll chat with him a little bit about where he's at currently, where the team's at, and uh, what's coming up this weekend. They are hosting LSU tomorrow at Yvette Girard Field at Lamson Park and then playing in Baton Rouge on Saturday. They were supposed to play in Nacogdoches yesterday, but that got postponed. And anyway, we're going to talk to Coach Glasgow, um, assistant coach Anthony Babineau from UL, Rage Occasion Lifer, as I like to call him. He'll be in studio as he is each Wednesday. And I appreciate that because Bab has been on the road. The baseball team left, what, last Thursday, headed to uh, Austin, and then from Austin went to Natchitoches on Monday and then camped out there. I say camped out, slept there. I'm sure they stayed at a hotel. I don't know. Maybe they just pitched some tents. And then they uh, played last night in an 11-8 victory, a wild game, and now they will host Northwestern State tonight, but uh, they got back late last night after a week-long road trip. So looking forward to that. Speaking of baseball, Major League Baseball. Couldn't get it done. The owners and players could not come to an agreement. And the question now is how many games are going to be missed? Now I put a poll up. You can vote just a little, just not even 10 minutes ago at ESPN Lafayette. That's the Twitter account. And it is, how do you feel about the major league baseball lockout? There are three options. One is devastated. Two is a little upset. And three is do not care. Indifferent, whatever, move on with your life. And right now, don't care is, The leader in the clubhouse here. Over 57% of the vote is don't care. 24% is a little upset. 19% is devastated. Keep the votes coming through. But 
you know, they had three months to get a deal done. It's not like they just started chatting last week. There was some brief optimism. All right, here we go. It's going to happen. But no, yesterday, all of that was pretty much squashed. And the commissioner, Rob Manfred, announced the cancellation of the first week of the 162-game regular season. And there could be more to follow. MLB made its final best offer yesterday afternoon, according to reports. And apparently they were still very, very far apart. It made no change to the competitive balance tax threshold. Its arbitration uh, bonus pool grew just a little. Its minimum salary proposal was was growing a little bit, but the, the real crux of this issue is, if you want to look at sort of a, it's more than one reason, right? And at the end of the day, I know I say it a lot when it comes to pro sports, but it's a business. At the end of the day, it just comes down to money. And the owners, what they wanted to do was in stark contrast to what the union wanted. And the big part of it was that the owners were willing to increase minimum salary and do a couple of other things when it comes to salaries, but they weren't willing to increase the overall salary pool. In other words, they were just going to reallocate the money that goes to the players, but not necessarily increase it. So the pie could change, but not grow any longer, larger. And, And some of you would say, well, wait a minute, it's baseball, can't owners spend what they want? There's some... Some owners, if they want to go out and just spend out the wazoo in terms of not a hard cap, they they can do that. But there are restrictions, certainly in terms of, of, of salary floors and things like that. Now, Rob Manford could lift the lockout. The players could report to work and they could actually play under the old agreement. But the reason why Manford is not going to do that. Like, if could they technically start a new season without a new CBA agreement? Sure, but if they did, then the players would have the ability to go on strike. And then the balance tax would not be in play, and, you know, the league's just not going to do that. The, the owners are going to keep their upper hand. You know, you see, it. it times change, right? I remember the strike, was it, 90... Was it 93 or 94? 94? The player's strike. And it was different, right? A strike is different than a lockout. Either way, the fans get the short end of the stick. Right? But the way it was covered, the 94-95 strike, in all, you had 948 games that were canceled. They lost an entire postseason. And it hurt the sport immensely. You go back 28 years ago, it was it was a big deal. The sport is in a very different place now than it was then, though. And a lot of the coverage from the media was, oh, you know, the players are being greedy. Now a lot of the coverage from the media is, oh, the owners are being greedy. You know, it's these billionaires. Come on, make a few concessions here. The reality is they're all doing pretty well. But the league itself as much as the strike hurt in 94, was much more popular than it is currently today. Major League Baseball has a popularity issue, particularly with Gen Z. 
and, and some younger millennials. There's a reason on the poll that we put up right now, the leader in the clubhouse is, yeah, don't care. Don't care. Baseball, you could say, oh, they're not listening to their fans. They're listening to to some of the fans that currently watch the product and consume it on a regular basis. They're not listening to the individuals who are like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really, not really into it. Just not feeling it. One thing baseball really needs to do that the other sports have done is embrace gambling in a big way. I know, I know. The Black Sox, Pete Rose, oh my God. Something to generate the interest. Like, fantasy baseball is is popular among the people that play fantasy baseball and follow it day to day. How can you simplify some of the gambling things for a generation of sports consumers that, you know, their memory span's a little shorter? Their memory span, that's their attention span, excuse me. Maybe their memory span too, I don't know. Their memory span is certainly shorter because they're not as old. But I meant to say attention span. Major League Baseball needs, they need more star power. They do. Take the best pitcher in the league, put him in, you know, any town in America. Take the best quarterback in the NFL, best player in the NBA, put him in any town in America, and two of those three are going to be recognized right out the gate by all the other, yeah, by some. That certainly wasn't the case in 94 when there was a strikeout. You could put King Griffey Jr. anywhere. You could put Barry Bonds anywhere. Oh, my God, look at that. David Justice. I mean, there was so much, and he wasn't, you know, he was good. He necessarily wasn't maybe the best player in the league. But, like, you had star power recognizable by the young generation, by the youth, by the young, at the time, Gen Xers and, you know, I guess millennials didn't really have their their name yet. Major League Baseball has a popularity issue, and I really think they need to embrace the gambling aspect of it from a legal standpoint, of course. The other sports are doing it. See, football, whenever you see it, whenever you see, let's let's take professional sports. When you see the NFL and you see analysts talking about it on TV, they're a lot of times talking about the game itself and a little bit about what I like to call the icing on the cake, right? Joe Burrow going into the Super Bowl, look at his outfit. It was fun. Oh, my God, check out this outfit. Oh, what does this say about this? What does that say about The NBA, in my mind, goes maybe too far with the other stuff outside of the game, and it just becomes more about things that aren't the game. But there's no denying that it's still really popular. But it's it's, you know, it's about some of the drama more so than the games themselves until you get to the postseason. And then in baseball, you know, a lot of it is just kind of about the game itself. But when you have 30 teams and they're playing 162 games each before you get to the postseason, where now you have more teams in the postseason than ever before, when you've got 4,860 games in a regular season, and maybe not this season because I'm sure some of them will you know, they're, they've, they're, they've already canceled some games. But if they get this thing done, you're still going to have, you know, over 4,000. I mean, that's... How can you compartmentalize that a little bit? That's what MLB really needs to figure out once they figure out this lockout and get back to actually playing professionally. College baseball, though, 
It's good right now. There's some good stuff. There's some good stuff happening. It's fun. And they might have the stage to themselves by the time the College World Series rolls around if MLB can't get their stuff together. College softball as well. Played at a high level across the country, certainly down here in the south. UL versus LSU tomorrow at Yvette Gerard Field at Lamson Park. We're going to visit with Rage Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow in three minutes right here on The Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio sponsored by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app, the best Louisiana sports betting experience. Learn more at betrivers.com. We'll be right back right after this. Into ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. This is the great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. ESPN Lafayette now, 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide. For those of you listening via the stream, that's brought to you by Champagne's Mark and the Wilson or Champagne's going the extra mile. We got a king cake from there recently. It was uh the Mardi Gras holiday, which is now in the rear view, but um, you know, it was it was a busy holiday for the UL softball team. They played a lot of games, whether you circle back to um, Yvette Girard Field last week or out in Youngsville for the Mardi Gras Mambo this past weekend. And we're scheduled to play on the road yesterday, but uh, that got postponed. So here to talk to us about all that and more, the head coach of the Rage Cajun softball team, Coach Jerry Glasgow. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. So I, I talked to you um, Sunday, along with a few other members of the press, uh, after the uh, 8-0 loss to Alabama. And, you know, I asked you, what was your message to the team after the game? And you very bluntly said, we're just not good enough right now. Now, I, you did say we have the talent to be good enough, but we're, we're far from sort of reaching that potential. And you and I talked before the season, and you said, look, it's, it's going to take some time. I, you know, I got to... I got to be patient here. So now you're you're several weeks into the season. What have you learned about your team to this point, and what are you still trying to figure out here as we enter March? Well, we're two weeks into the season, and you know we're we're not several weeks. We're two weeks in the season, and we're not good enough. And we've got talent and we, we can be good enough. I have absolutely no doubt if we push the right buttons and if we make the right decisions and if we handle the practice opportunities correctly and we we blend this team together, I, I think we can be good. And I think what I've been telling the kids this January is when you're on that field and when you're in that starting lineup, you make sure we win that day. And and I think now they're starting to understand what I'm saying because, you know, we just got to keep getting better and fight harder. And, and, you know, the kids in the dugout can have an effect on the game. The kids that are not playing, they can have a, an effect on the game with their attitude, with their enthusiasm in the dugout, with the way they support their teammates. But the, but the biggest decision makers in the game, the ones that have the biggest opportunity to, affect the game are the ones that are on the field competing, the ones that are 
you know, in the ring, so to speak. And um, what we have to develop is is the kids that are, you know, in, in the starting lineup each day representing our program, their leadership and their fight and their uh, effort and their focus and all the things that go into how well they compete each day, we have to be sure they're, they value those opportunities and they value that moment. And I think that's where a young team and a new chemistry, you know, has an opportunity to get better. Um, and so you look at the the results, I mean, they're just, they're mixed. And, and you have some games where they look so dominant and so good. And, and then the Alabama games were just, just really disappointing to me. And, um, you know, I don't mind when you play those kind of games, you're, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And, 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 and you, you don't mind that you don't mind losing when you're playing teams like Alabama, but you want to compete really well. And if we go out and we get beat two to one or three to two or even three to one, I can accept that as a head coach, but when you get beat eight to nothing, nine to one, I don't accept that at all. I, I, it's just shocking to me that we allowed that to happen, and and so, the, you know, that's that's what we've got to address that and and find a way that we just, you know, the wheels can't just come off when you get behind and you face a little bit of adversity. You can't just, uh, you know, do the things that you do when you allow a team to just score that many runs and. And, you know, those things are like errors and bad pitches and walks and hit by pitches and, you know, bouncing the ball off the backstop and uh, just not competing in the game. And, and, and you know, we always tell our team, like, we want to be the best come-from-behind team in America. When we get behind, we want, we want to thrive in that aspect. But you can't do that if you can't stay on the field in the sixth and seventh inning. You have to be – you have to extend the game. You have to prolong the game. And give your hitters that time to <laughs> to adjust. And one of the strengths of our offense has always been we can adjust. We'll adjust to the pitcher and get better late in the game. And and when we've had big victories over, you know, the Power Five teams like Florida, we come from behind from four to nothing, and and I think six to one, something like that. Big both days on Saturday and Sunday in Florida in 2020, we come from behind late in the game and win the game. But but you can't do that if you let don't get the game to go the full seven innings. So that's where I think we can get better. We simply, you know, learn how to minimize damage, learn how to take a punch, so to speak, and and stay on your feet and and play through the, that rough inning and don't let it and don't let those innings get huge. Which is all things that young teams have to learn and, and they have to do. And and then we've got some great players that just haven't seen the field yet in these games and I wanted to I, one of the things that's really important to me is to try to maintain team chemistry and team you know, we got a really good we've, I feel like we've got a really good attitude in practice with the young kids and the older kids coming together but I think it's important to give the older kids the first opportunity and that's what we did against Alabama and now 
you know, now we're going to mix in some of the younger kids and, and we'll, we'll see how we compete in, in these next few big games that we've got with LSU coming up this weekend and, and Texas down the road. And, and then when we get into conference with Troy and South Island, Texas State. Yeah, the, uh, the LSU crossover happening this weekend. You guys have LSU tomorrow night at home. You've Gerard Field at Lamson Park. And then on Friday, Central Connecticut State and Louisiana Tech. And then on Saturday, you guys are in Baton Rouge at LSU. You just said that there's some young players you want to get in to the lineup, give them some more run um, as you're you know, still trying to tinker with the lineup. Who are a couple of players that, that you anticipate getting a, a little bit more of a run this upcoming week? Well, I definitely want to see a player like Sam Grader. You know, I think she's, I think right now she's batting almost 700, you know, and she's, she's something like 7 for 11, not enough at bats. I mean, you can go from 700 to 400 in a in a couple of games if you have 0 for games, but Sam, Sam Grader has just really hit the ball well for us, and she's been a great teammate. Uh, she's, she's, done everything we've asked her to do and been patient and you know i'm definitely going to get her really involved this weekend uh i I, we let falterman uh get some starts last weekend she responded brilliantly maddie hayden's been brilliant um laney crater's been brilliant and so it's hard to get all those you know we got some a lot of really talented freshmen stormy copson that's been batting leadoff and, you know, those kids all be here for four years. So we're trying to get them on the field, but it's like, you know, you want to keep your veterans out there too. Um, and so it's kind of tricky. And so we're just going to have to uh, make those moves. But that's that's definitely one that I want to get in. The other player intri- intriguing, uh, I just really, I mean, Jenna Keene is not, a, uh, she's not a freshman. She's an older upperclassman and a tremendous base runner. Uh, I tell the team all the time when she's, I feel like when she's uh, playing, she's the best base runner in college softball. And I've been using her quite a bit off the bench, but she's 8 for 14 and hitting 571. So she's got to get, uh, I've got to put her back in the lineup and get her out in the outfield. She's a tremendous defensive player as well. So I want to see her get in there. Um, you know, hopefully we'll have Piscos back by the end of the week. Um, and, and so, that will allow us to, you know, that that really is a big thing. When we lose when we lose Piscos out of our lineup, we lose a lot of energy. Um, she plays so hard and with so much energy. We need all of our other kids to realize that. And you know, no one player can make up her energy, but all nine can. And and that's going to be a challenge to our team. And so, you know, that's where those three definitely get back in. I I thought at the beginning of the season. Carly, he's a player that we need in the lineup. We need her bat in the lineup, but right now, you know, she's got off kind of to a little bit of a slower start, and 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 compared to a slower start compared to Greater, I think I think Carly's hitting around 273, but but Crater's on base percentage right now is like 670 or 667, and and batting almost 500, and just doing a phenomenal job. Uh, hitting in the in the DP spot, so it kind of closes off that spot. So we just got to keep trying to figure out and get these kids in. Kramer Ushte is uh, she's off to a, a little bit of a slower start, uh, and and yet we know she was our top uh, one of our top two or three hitters all fall. And so 
we want to get Kramer in the lineup as we go. So we're just going to keep moving people in, moving them out, and giving everybody a rotation and a chance to opportunity to play until it settles out. You know what our best lineup is, and and that's why I tell the kids like, if you want to make sure you stay in that lineup, make sure we win. That's the first thing. You know, no matter what you do, if we lose, we got to be looking at things. And and so I think we'll develop a, a hunger and a more of a. We, we've got to play hungry. We've got to play meaner. We got to play tougher. We we we've just got to become a more mature um, mindset when we're on the field. Louisiana ten and two on the season, uh, two losses to Alabama. They're taking on LSU tomorrow and again on Saturday, coach. And you know, with with LSU, look, the Cajuns have a, a one of the best fan bases in the country. There's no denying it. Uh, when they when you guys play LSU each year, there's also I guess more eyeballs, right? There's there's a little bit more. Turn, it's a, it's an in state opponent. You know, they've had success. You guys have met in the postseason plenty. Do you put more emphasis on the LSU game this week or all four matchups? Because you and I talk about RPI and how you approach certain games and things like that. Or are all four matchups kind of the same mindset here over the next couple of days? No, not for me. I mean, for me, the season, like, you know, we're 10-2, and two, but in my mind, the way I evaluate the game, it's almost like we're 0-2. Oh I think... We're here to play against Alabama. We're here to play against LSU. We're here to play against Texas. Illinois will mix in there. Um, you know, we're here to we're here to play with the best best teams in college softball, and and that's our goal. And and so, you know, I'm I don't feel like a ten and two coach right now. I feel like an zero and two coach, and I'm not happy at all about it, or not satisfied at all about it. I know the fans expect a lot out of us and we deserve the fans deserve us to give them a lot they give us a lot so we need to give the fans a lot and and we got players i mean it's the thing is the players are trying they're they're giving effort but but they don't realize they can give more yet and as they become as they become tougher and more mature uh, complete team not individually as a team as they become tougher and and more mature we'll, we'll, we'll do better and uh, that's my job to make sure we do that and by the end of the year at the regional we want to be able to compete with whoever we're playing and it's a journey to get there that's the fun part when you get to the end and you look back the journey is the funnest part of it and we're enjoying it but it, it, it the moments of of challenge and the moments of frustration um, actually are what you're going to look back and remember and and the good part, if if there's a good part to the Alabama game, it's that we know we have to get better in every single area. Uh, we pitching, hitting, defense, all of it is it's got to get better. And 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 so it, it kind of puts the whole program in a position where you really have a uh, uh, mutual desire to to work hard. And so I, I can't wait till we get out there this weekend and and. Thursday night, and we get a play, and you know, at some point over the over the next few games, you know, Kendra Lamb has, has done a great job for us, and and I'm I'm anxious to see, you know, Sam Sam Landry has we've talked a lot about, and I've got to get her in these in the mix. I, I didn't feel like it was a good move to put her out there with Sophie Piscos out of the lineup catching, 
I didn't think it was a smart move for me to let a freshman pitcher go out there um, without her normal catcher. And she's tricky to catch, too. I didn't feel like it was fair to the to the catcher to try to uh, catch her in a big game with her movement and her change of speeds and everything. So we'll get her involved. There's a lot of reasons we have to be excited. Um, uh, we all know that we could have played better, and we all know that we will play better. You mentioned Sophie Piscos a number of times. Do you anticipate having her back tomorrow, or will it be uh, a little later into the weekend? With the with the type of injury she has, it's just day to day. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm hoping, fingers are crossed, that we can get her back as soon as we can. But I don't have any control. That's up to the doctors. And when they tell me, when they tell me she can go, she'll be in the lineup. That's all I know. And but she's she's really a tremendous uh, leader on our team. She's a tremendous competitor and one of the best hitters that we have. So. We need her on the field. She's one of our best defenders. Um, we need her out there bad. And uh, it's a huge loss when we lose her with, uh, with the impact that she's made in, the, in, in our program and, and the position of leadership she holds on our ball club. And we'll get her back uh, as, soon as, as soon as the doctors tell me she's a goal. She'll be in the lineup. That's all I know. Louisiana softball coach Jerry Glasgow, two more questions for you, Coach. We appreciate you taking the time, as always. Um, Based on the things that, that you said, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you see, I guess, the, the potential on the team. You've talked about the talent, but there's still you know, a ways to go, that growing process. And you have 12 newcomers. How do you balance, the, 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 I guess, the present of trying to reach that potential day-to-day and not kind of get caught up in you know, what what you think it can be, right? Like, uh, what is your approach, I guess, daily of, okay, I know how good we can be. You guys don't know how good we can be, but I do. But here are the things we have to do, like the balance of sort of patience, but also there's, there's an eagerness there, right? I mean, you, you, you want to you wanna move forward. I don't know if that question makes sense, but it just, the, as a head coach, what is your, I guess, balance and mental approach to seeing the potential but knowing we're kind of far from it? Yeah, there's an urgency. I mean, there's an urgency because when you're a Sun Belt Conference school, these early season matchups are your like to to host a super regional. Most likely, the only game we play this year, the way it looks right now, the only game that we play this year that might get you a super regional is to beat Alabama. You beat them, you you. You've got you a win that could say, hey, I'm one of the top eight teams in the country. Well, you let that opportunity slide by, not surprisingly, with a, with a, you know, with a situation where you had a young team and, and then Pisco sitting on the field. But now you've got, you know, you've got seven or eight games here with LSU, uh, Texas, um, Illinois will be in the mix. And then you'll have nine games with Texas State, um, Louisiana, um, uh, South Alabama, Texas State, and Troy. You'll have those nine games. Those are games that you win. You you can you look like you possibly could be, deserve to host a regional. So you only got about fifteen of these kind of games in your schedule, and you need to win. You need to win eleven, twelve, maybe even thirteen of those fifteen games. And then you're if you do that, if you can win eleven out of those fifteen. 
you're going to have the committee looking at should you be hosting a regional. If you can win 13 out of those 15 games, and that you know that's an easy number to throw out. But then when you step on the field and do it, we're only going to lose. If you only lose two times to Texas and LSU out of five games, and you go, you know, you win all nine, or if you win, you know, four out of five against Texas and LSU, and you win eight out of nine against South Al, Troy, and Texas State, that's not easy to do. <laughs> that's easy to set at your computer and think about and dream about, but it's not easy to do. There's an urgency here to get as good as we can get in a hurry because that's the kind of task that we. We have we're up against with our Sun Belt Conference schedule um, to get that regional on our field, which we'd like to do. Um, and if if we don't, we've got to get good enough to win that regional on the road, which has been a been a big obstacle for us over the past three years, or the past three NCAA tournaments. It's really difficult to go on the road to an SEC school on their field, and so yeah, there's a lot of urgency here. There's a, I think that we've got an extremely talented ball club. I, I think the kids don't have any idea how good they can become. Uh, it's, the question is how long does it take us to get there? Um, I'm, I'm more convinced right now than I was in January that this team can be really, really good based on I, – I just didn't expect to look up here after 12 games and see – you know, Stormy, <laughs> Stormy Kostinick hitting 500 and Matty Hayden hitting 500 as first year freshman. I didn't expect to see that. And then, you, you know, I looked up and down and I see we got 38 stolen bases and we're hitting 406. We lead the nation and, and our batting average is the highest in the nation. Well, the schedule could be tougher. So you give yourself a little leeway. But when you're playing six, seven freshmen and you're leading the nation and hitting, you can't tell me there's not tremendous potential. And then when you've got a freshman pitcher like Sam Landry waiting in the wings to just earn her spot, I mean, she's 5-0. and oh. We give her 21 innings, I think. She, she's done a tremendous job, but I think she can do a lot more. And I think that she has to be patient. We have to be patient as coaches because I want everybody to know I want people to know, like, the, the I want the, the people on the roster to know everyone's been given a chance. Everyone's given been given an opportunity. That's why I've batted every single player. I've started every single player at least a game. Um, you know, so I think I don't, I don't think any of our 16 players, other than Frankie Isbert, who's, you know, recovering from the injury, the other 15 kids have all been given three or more starts. Uh, I've tried to give everybody the opportunity, but when we start uh, trying to seek that level of play that can allow us to beat these top teams in the country, uh, we've got to narrow it down. And, and then I think that when we do that, the kids will start to see the real the real potential that they have, I hope. And I, I, I believe that our potential is even greater than I did in January at this point. Coach Jerry Glasgow has been our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Last question, Jerry, more of kind of like a bookkeeping question. You were scheduled to play Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches doubleheader yesterday. It got postponed due to the field conditions over in Nacogdoches. What, what did, uh, how did you guys alter the schedule uh, as a result as you prepare for this weekend? Well, that was kind of shocking to me. I mean, they called me Monday morning at 11 o'clock and said they couldn't get their field ready on Tuesday at 3 and 5, and that's, you know, I'd never heard of a college game getting canceled 
36 hours before the game, but whatever. That's what they did, and and that's, uh, you know, I, I, I was shocked by it, but we needed the days to practice, and so we, we were able to, you know, get a good practice in last night under the lights. We, we went late because of Mardi Gras, and we practiced from, you know, like 6 to 6.30 to 9.30 or 6.30 to 10, something like that. I don't even remember exactly, but we had a late evening practice, and we worked under the lights on our defense, and and um, it was good. The, the attitude was good. Uh, the intensity was good. Um did a, a lot of defensive stuff that we need to work and trying to get the kids to, to play with more aggression on defense. And, um, so we'll just use this and then today we'll go back. We're going to practice again. Uh, we'll get, we'll get some more work in, uh, make the final adjustments and, you know, go over the, uh, you know, we'll go over the LSU lineup with Kendra and be sure she's ready and, and, you know, we need to go out and play a big game tomorrow night. Coach Jerry Glasgow has been our guest. Uh-huh. Louisiana taking on LSU tomorrow at home, 6 o'clock. We'll be on the air 545 right here on ESPN Lafayette. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Always appreciate your candidness, and we'll uh, we'll chat again on Monday. All right. We'll see you then. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. That is Louisiana Region Cajun head softball coach Jerry Glasgow. You're listening to The Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Anthony Babineau, assistant baseball coach, will join me in the studio at 8 o'clock. We talked about MLB's lockout. We can dig into that just a little bit more as we move forward. The Pelicans are ascending, but what about this moment tonight? Are they going to blow it? Because in the past, these are the kind of games that maybe they blow. Tell you what, though, that beatdown they put on the Lakers Friday night, that was pretty fun. We will dig into that. Saints moving salary stuff around as they typically do. What does that tell you about their mindset this offseason? I'll explain that. All of it and more coming your way. This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. Don't go anywhere. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back to the Great Scott Show. Mardi Gras in the rear view, but guys, St. Patrick's Day is right around the corner. You don't even need a reason to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I don't care if you're not Irish like me. We just do it. We all party. We get together. We have fun. And on Thursday, March 17th for St. Patrick's Day, Patty in the Park is back. Sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance, Park International, Downtown Lafayette, Gates Open at 5, Music Starts at 5.30. Clay Cormier, Wayne Toops, Quad City DJs, come on, ride that train. Rob Bass, it takes two to make a thing go right. Tone Loke, Funky Cole Medina. That's all y'all get. 
I'm not, I'm not going to karaoke the entire song. It's just one line. But get the real thing. It's going to be, that, that's a heck of a lineup right there. They're all performing at Patty in the Park. Get your tickets now at any Legends location for $20 or at eventbrite.com. Get them now because if you wait till the day of, they're going to cost you 25 Kids 12 and under, get in for free. There will be food and beverages sold at Patty in the Park. It's going to be great. The uh, designated driver's booth is sponsored by Service Chevrolet. Your beverages booth sponsored by Budweiser Zero and Ghost Energy. Mark your calendars. By the time the uh, calendar gets to late April and the NBA regular season is over, will the New Orleans Pelicans, who started 1-12, who started 3-16, and will they be in a position to continue playing? Despite not having Zion Williamson for an entire season, they are in a strong position to do so. I mean, after they beat this, I think I said beat the Lakers on Friday. My, it's Wednesday. My days are all thrown off because of the Mardi Gras holiday. When they beat the snot out of the Lakers on Sunday night, that was like 28. That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. In the national shows, the lead-ins the next day was, oh, my God, what's wrong with the Lakers? The Pelicans right now are uh, in the 10 spot, which is what you need to do to set yourself up to be in a play-in situation. They are two games back of the L.A. Lakers, but they have the same record as Portland. They're a game up of San Antonio. They're two games up of Sacramento. They have a lot of work to do. Have they looked good since coming out of the All-Star break in their two games? Yes, they have. The defense looks better. C.J. McCollum looks more comfortable. Brandon Ingram continues to play great. But this is a game tonight at home for New Orleans against Sacramento that in the past when they desperately need a win to separate themselves a little bit, they typically lose. Does it happen every single time, all the time? No. Does it happen more often than not with this franchise? The answer is yes, if you're being honest. Does that change tonight? No, it's one game and they've got, geez, how many do they have left? 21 games left? I think they have 21 games left. They got work to do. They got work to do. But this is the moment for them to get it done. Can they? Cajun baseball, we mentioned, they're playing tonight against Northwestern State again. That was a wild win last night. We're going to talk a lot of Cajun baseball next hour with Anthony Babineau. Uh Supposed to be in studio. I think we're going to do it over the phone, and that's all good. Coach Bab, um, you know, the team, they got back from a week-long road trip at about, I don't know, 1.32 a.m. this morning. So we're going to talk to Bab on the phone this week. Normally on Wednesdays when he can, he'll be in studio. But um, but no, we're going we're gonna to do it on the phone line, and I look forward to talking plenty of Cajun baseball with him next hour. As for the... Um, as for the Saints, I mentioned we'd talk a little bit about them. The Saints are trying to figure out what the next era of Saints football is, is going to look like, what it is going to be like. Because the, the previous era is done. I described last season as like when, when you come out with, you know, I mean, Jackass Forever is at the movie theaters. Maybe some of you watch that stuff. Maybe you don't. I watch it and laugh my, my butt off. But... 
you know, they, they release these movies, and then later on they'll release one that's like a .5. All the sketches that weren't good enough to make the final cut, and you watch it and you realize why. They're not quite as funny. But they release it, you know, video on demand, something like that. And they call it .5, right? Maybe they'll call it Jackass 4.5 ever, something silly, because that's what those guys would do. But the point is, that's kind of what last season felt like for the Saints. Because on one hand, Drew Brees was gone. But on the other, you still had Sean Payton. And so it kind of felt like a .5. Like, okay, here are some of the leftovers. Here is still enough ingredients to not have a division-winning team. If they had stayed healthy, they might have. Not have a division-winning team. But a team that's still good enough to, you know, be 9-8. and eight. Not the best team. You know, they went through some some hardships. You watch, you know, one of the Jackass Point Five movies. It's like they went through some hardships for those sketches. That's what last season felt like, and now it is gone. You are on to an in total, a, a, just a completely new era. Sure, you have some familiar faces, and there are some holdovers, and there are some key players that you're going to need. But in terms of the culture and the era, Peyton and Breeze are gone, and they're never coming back. And the Saints began to do their yearly. Let's convert this year's salary into a roster bonus right now to get below the salary cap. You have the Buffalo Bills GM, the Bills, who, by the way, are in prime position to be a contender, saying, yeah, we're not doing that. We're not going to do stuff like that. We don't like to renegotiate. We do something like that with Stephon Diggs now. You're eventually going to have to pay for it in the future. And that's how most teams operate. And maybe one day the Saints will do that, or maybe they'll just keep doing it as long as Gail Benson is willing to sign the checks. And you got to have an owner who's willing to do it. I mean, she is worth it. I don't know, $5 billion. She's not in it for, I want to make a bunch of money, even though she is. She inherited ownership from her late husband of those two franchises in New Orleans, and she's spending the money. So what direction will this team go in? Will they sign a veteran? To play quarterback, many feel like it's Jameis Winston. Some say, yeah, maybe Teddy Bridgewater, probably not, probably Jameis. Neither player projects to cost a ton. Do they draft a rookie quarterback? Some people like Kenny Pickett. All I've heard is that this draft is pretty weak at all positions. Quarterback is the biggest key, though, right? Do you trade for a superstar? If you do that, you're not going to have any first-round picks the next few years. Maybe not even a second-rounder. And you need, in a new era, to develop young talent that can be there and play well on rookie contracts. Is that the way to go? How are the Saints going to approach that position? Many feel like it's definitely Jameis. Okay. Is that long-term? Is that short-term? Is it another prove-it deal? How, they're, they're, they're aggressive in that they'll, instead of just getting everyone, getting just below the cap and just signing peanuts, they'll try to do something because they think they can compete now. But what they do at quarterbacks is going to tell you everything to do. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coming up next hour, Anthony Babineau is joining us. Looking forward to that. Talking Cajun baseball. Tough weekend in Round Rock. What did they learn? 
Wild win last night in Natchitoches. Long road trip. They're back at home tonight. Rally program appreciation night at MLT Norfield at Russo Park. 6 o'clock first pitch against the Demons. 5.30. Free game right here on ESPN Lafayette. Rage of Cajun Hoops. Men are playing tomorrow at 11.30. Women play on Friday. Working on coaches uh, Marlin and Broadhead to have them on the show sometime tomorrow. Talk a little Cajun Hoops. That time of year. It's March, baby. March Madness is upon us. Can't wait. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues after this. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN 1420, KPEL, Lafayette, ESPN 1033, K277DQ, Lafayette. A Town Square media station. The best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou. The best, the best. The best? ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show, 8 o'clock hour. I'm Scott Prather coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio sponsored by Bet Rivers. Every day at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, Louisiana, you'll find line specials, daily boosted odds, parlays of the day, and more. Learn more at BetRivers.com. Louisiana Raging Cajun Baseball, 4-4 four and four on the season. Went to uh, Round Rock. That tournament faced some stiff competition, um, lost three, and then on Tuesday, yesterday, on Fat Tuesday, uh, they were in Natchitoches and won a a fun and wild game against the Demons, 11-8. They will face them again tonight over at the Teague at Russo Park. Six o'clock first pitch scheduled for you. And here to chat some Cajun baseball with us is assistant coach, friend of the program, Friend, all of you, that would be Anthony Babineau, who is on the phone line with us this morning. Good morning, Bab. How are you? Good morning, Scott. I'm great. How are you this morning? I'm good. Are you, are you, did you get any good sleep over the last week? How, how, what is the sleeping situation like when you're on like a week long road trip? Well, I mean, you're in a hotel, obviously, and, and you're able to get some, some sleep, good sleep. I don't know if you can term it good sleep it just depends you know we had early games so to speak on both friday and saturday so that meant early wake-up calls when you talk about breakfast team breakfast in the morning and having to be at the field for bp two to two and a half hours before before the game start before that 11 o'clock game so you know, it was early mornings, but, you know, you get to bed early enough and, and you're able to get a good night's sleep. Last night, we got in from Northwestern at 12.30. So a few hours last night, and then we'll hook it up again tonight, bud. There it is. But I will tell you, I will tell you that road trip felt like 
it felt like we were on the road for three months for some reason. <laughs> when we were driving back last night, it just, it, it was a long road trip. I mean, it was a road trip that we had to do the trip the way we did it as far as staying over in Round Rock Sunday night and heading across the Northwestern on Monday because it wouldn't have made much much sense, especially with no school for the kids to come back Sunday after that four o'clock game from Round Rock and then turning right around yesterday and heading to Northwestern. So um, we planned the trip the best best way we thought that it could be planned, and um, here we are. Yeah, longest road trip of uh, of the season, but you're back home and back at it tonight. What what did you know? It was. Good competition in Round Rock, no question. But um, each game sort of had its own, had a life of its own, right? They they played out somewhat differently. I know there are a few things we'll hit on that, you know, you guys have done well and things you got to improve on. But what, what do you think this team learned about themselves in Round Rock, in your mind? Well, I think what we learned the most is that over the weekend we lacked that killer instinct we really did because yes we played good teams but do we feel that we're just as good as those teams absolutely 100 percent. we feel as if we're just as good if not better than those teams that we played in round rock you know each game sort of had one bad inning that got away from us that really did us in the first game against against um who did we play first <laughs> play, no no you hadn't slept in a while you so you had number four stanford on friday stanford stanford you know uh marshawn hits the leadoff triple we score him we've got an opportunity with a runner at third less than two outs to score again we don't get it done and then just kind of never got anything from there didn't build any momentum and then against Indiana, one really bad inning where it really got away from us. And then just Arkansas, that game was right there. It was ripe for the picking in the last inning. Didn't get it done. But we've just, we've got to have that, that killer wolf, we call it. That killer wolf's got to come out in us each and every time we play and just really step on the throat of people. We really do when we have them down. You know, Coach, Coach Robe used to say, you know, talking about that one bad inning or, or talking about the runner third and less than two, when when you don't do the, the, the small things that you should do that are the easier, so to speak, parts of the game, it usually comes back to haunt you. When you don't score that run from third with less than two when you should, when you don't make plays that you should, obviously, it just – it kills you, and that was the case over the weekend. Yesterday, we, we started the game on fire, and they come back with a slam to go up 4-2. And then, but the difference in last night, somewhat, at least offensively, is we kept coming. We kept scoring. We, we drove runners in when they were third base with less than two. We executed hit and runs. We executed stolen bases. Those were some things also over the weekend that we didn't do. So 
to, to answer the question that was asked, what did we learn? I think we learned that number one, we're, we're going to be good. We're going to be very good. We learned that. Number two, we learned that we're just as good as the teams that we played. But we also learned that playing in 30 degrees when it feels like 21 is really no fun. We learned that. Um, but the conditions were what they were. I mean, you know, we, we can't control the weather. But we just learned that, that, that we've got to finish. We've got to finish games. And we were able to do that yesterday, a wild back-and-forth game. But we were able to finish, come out with a W, and that's going to obviously be the goal again tonight. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. It seems like, Bab, uh, obviously, you know, a lot of free bases, right? That's the thing that you want to clean up. Correct. Uh, I mean, that, that's that's an obvious thing you can point to, and that's something you guys are working on. On the other side of it, you know, I know you guys would like to get on base more, but you talk about last night's game. Um, I mean, you and Deggs have said it for, for years. Uh, expect ultra-aggressive base running. And last night, that really, I mean, I think in a lot of ways was arguably the biggest difference maker for you guys last night. And what what are some of the things when you guys are able to uh, have the base running you had last night? Aside from, oh, well, they got a steal. Oh, well, that brought, what are some of the more, not super inside baseball things, but something be beneath the surface that when you base run like that, what it opens up offensively or you know, the pressure it puts on the opposition. Well, the last thing you said is, is the most glaring thing. It's the pressure that it puts on the opposition. It's, it's being the aggressor. You know, it, there's a saying, not just within our program, but people know this saying, it, it's, it's true in life too, is the aggressor always wins nine times out of 10. The aggressor always wins. Now, the aggressor every once in a while is going to crash and burn, but you have to be unafraid to crash and burn. You can't worry about if you're going to crash and burn when you take those risks. So it, the aggressor puts pressure on its opposition. It really does. And when you, when you run the bases like we did last night, it, it, it puts – it ha- or it has the ability, at least, to put your opponent on its heels. The pitcher, the defenders, it, it, the, the, the opposition's dugout, the opposition's coaching staff. It, it just puts pressure on your opponent, and it allows you to play more free. When, when you're unafraid to crash and burn, when you're when you are um, not worried about the result of the risk that you're taking, you're going to play more free. And, and that's exactly what we did last night. Now, our opposition allowed us, as far as the stolen bases, to be successful and to do that. You know, we were able to run on their catcher. Uh, we were able to run on some of the arms because of their times to the plate. So that aided it a little bit, but the fearlessness and the, the reckless abandon, so to speak, that we played with last night was to our advantage. And especially if 
you're doing what you're supposed to be doing on both sides of the, of the of the baseball. If we don't give up those free bases, yes, they had a guy that hit two home runs against us, and they had some other guys that, well, they had one other guy that drove in a run because the two home runs produced seven. But those two home runs, the grand slam early in the first, there were two walks on base and a base hit. Those were the three runners on base before the slam. The three-run homer was an error and a walk before the three-run homer. So you take those away and, you know, the score is not even close. So when you combine those two, no free bases, make them earn everything, and offensively we play unafraid to crash and burn and take chances and take risks and play more free, good things are going to happen. Yeah, Bo Willis, when he hit that grand slam, it was you know it was so early in the game. Um, there was just a lot more ball left to be played. Whenever you guys go up, it's eight, suddenly it's suddenly it's nine to eight, right? When you get those insurance runs late, do you feel like one run versus three run lead in the ninth? What do you feel more comfortable? Do you feel not as like is it is it the same? Is it hey we still have to close this thing out? Like insurance runs, they are they are valued very much. I think by by a typical baseball fan, they always talk about how important it is. When you're in a dugout, when you're at a game, when you're coaching, when you're looking on, what is like? What changes for the pitching? What changes for the defense in the in the in a ninth inning, bottom of the ninth? You're on the road. Whenever you've got multiple runs instead of just one, how much does that impact the next half inning? You got the runs now. You all you got to do is just get three outs. But what changes, I guess, defensively on the diamond when you have those insurance runs? Well, it changes everything, really. It it changes just your mentality and your comfort level. I mean, up by one, obviously, um, as long as you win by one, you win, correct? But going into the bottom of ninth on the road, up three as opposed to one, you're, you're, you're just able to relax a little more because if you're just up one, then obviously, I mean, you want to go – one, two, three, ball game over. Because one runner gets on, I mean, there, there's so many things that can happen. I mean, you're up three, then we get into a situation where we're up three, but yet the time run still came to the plate. Willis was up to the plate again, and, you know, chances were very slim that he hits a third home run that night and ties the game. Um but that still occurred, but still the fact that we were up three, if he does hit a home run right there, the game is tied. They still hadn't won. So, you know, late in the game like that, when you're ahead, every one run you tack on, it feels like three. It really does. So that three-run lead in the ninth felt even bigger because it's 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 more than a one-run lead, even a two-run lead feels so much better and so much bigger than a one-run lead. So it's very important. It was it was outstanding that, that we came back and and tacked those runs on. But again, throughout the game, all the runs we scored is because we 
played unafraid to crash and burn, and we played the game aggressively. We didn't play it on our heels. We took it to them. Even all the way going back to Connor Kimple stealing third base and them picking him off, but because he was being aggressive, the pitcher throws the ball away at third and he just walks in the home. You know, now the pitcher could have not thrown it away. He could have been thrown out, but he was unafraid to crash and burn. He was not worried about the result of the play. He was just playing. And that's going to happen when you run a lot, when you take chances, a lot of times you've got to anticipate. What I mean by anticipate is you try to get a jump of, of when you think the pitcher is going to the plate after studying him a couple pitches, studying him in the dugout. It's, it's, a, it's a calculated risk. It's not uncalculated. It's, it's calculated. And, and he took that risk. If the third baseman catches the ball, if the pitcher throws it straight, he's out. However, it put pressure on the pitcher. He didn't throw it straight. He threw it in the bullpen. We walked in with with a, with the go ahead run at that point um, to get it to uh, nine to eight. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. Anthony Babineau is our guest talking at Rage and Cage of Baseball. They're back at it tonight against an opponent they just saw. Uh, what feels like just a few hours ago. We're going to talk about tonight's matchup, a couple of individual players as well, and uh, what's coming up the rest of this week, this weekend. An opponent that isn't a conference opponent but soon will be. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We'll be right back right after this. Cause you can't, you and you don't stop. Cause you can't, you and you don't stop. Oh, when you can't, you and you don't stop. Hey, this is Rich Eisen, and you can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on The Rich Eisen Show. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Hi. Come on. And I'm looking for some action. But like Mick Jagger said, I can't get no Welcome back into the great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette. That is Tone Low Key. Along with Quad City DJs and Rob Bass will be performing at Patty in the Park, St. Patrick's Day, Thursday, March 17th, as well as Clay Cormier and the great Wayne Toops. Get your tickets now at any Legends location. That's Patty in the Park, sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. Gates open at 5. Music starts at 5.30 on St. Patty's Day. Get your tickets now, $20. If you wait till the day of, it'll cost you a little more, $25. Kids 12 and under, get in for free. Speaking of going and sharing an emotional experience with a crowd... Coach Babineau and I were talking about that last week. Cajun fans get a chance to do it tonight as the Cajuns are back at home after a road trip to Texas and then up to North Louisiana. Northwestern State 
is visiting at Russo Park tonight at 6 o'clock. And, Bab, familiarity with, with opponents is analyzed a lot in baseball when it comes to, I guess, a conference opponent in a three-game weekend series and guys are throwing pitchers. It's a little different than the midweek. When you play an opponent in the midweek on back-to-back nights, how much do you draw from one game to the other just in terms of scouting? You know what I mean? Right. Well, you draw a lot, really, because pretty much the same guys are going to be playing tonight, with the exception of the pitchers, obviously, and and some of those guys um, might run back out there as well. But, you know, there's some things, obviously, that we already talked about in in the post-game meeting last night that we're going to use tonight. So uh, some of those tendencies, you mentioned those familiarities, uh, they're going to be um, in full effect tonight, really. And, and um, the one thing that you don't have to do is, is search for the scan report <laughs> that you file away from game to game because, um, you know, you play them the next night. But some people like it, some people don't. I, I kind of like it just because, uh, like you said, of, of – having just played them and, and it being fresh in your mind and, and you really don't really don't need the scouting report that much. You can go off a of feel and memory of, of what you did the night before. Yeah, so you I mean you've been in the business a while. If 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 it's up to you, you like sort of the back to back same team in the midweek as opposed to you guys had a you know, a fun win last week, uh, you know, extra innings against Southeastern and then I think it's five weeks between them and obviously the report's a little different then. So you had your preference, you know, obviously you're going either way, whatever's on the schedule, but, you know, you kind of have something to do with the schedule sometimes too, Bab. So when it works out and it sets up, you prefer what you guys have going on this week. Well, I, personally, I, I like the the back-to-back midweek where it's the same opponent. That doesn't happen very often. That's happened a couple of times. I remember with Nichols, we did that one year not too long ago, but uh, this was the way this set up. It wasn't supposed to be this way originally, but we had to make a change because of something else going on with, with either our schedule or theirs. I can't remember, but it worked out this way. And, um, you know, this is what we've got presented to us. So, but look, we've got to, we've got to come out tonight and play with the same energy, passion, and, and unafraid to crash and burn that we played last night so that we can get the same result. Because um, at the end of the day, the the all that matters is is the W. It it really is. That that's what matters. No matter how you get it, whether it be a pretty W or an ugly W, uh, it's a W nonetheless. So uh, that's the goal each and every night. So we've got to play our our style of baseball. We've got to do what what makes us successful. And you know, one of the things we have to do the most is we've got to clean some things up on the mound. Uh, we can't give away so many free bases. That's that's hurting us right It's killing us right now. It really is. Um, so we've got to clean that up first and foremost. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. You know, the free bases is, is, at least in my mind, you know, the biggest issue to this point with the team. Um, you, you cut back on that, and, you know, the results will change. A guy like Drew Shiflett, I know he walked four in his very first game against UC Irvine. Since then, I think he walked maybe one last night in the win, one on Sunday in the loss. Just wanted your thoughts on Drew. You know, he's 
He's gotten in uh, on four different occasions. In his two wins, you know, he's he's going three strong. Um, how do you feel about where he is and, and how he is beginning to settle in? There was a lot of talk about him, the transfer from Texas, uh, you know, the right-hander, just a lot of anticipation. And I think folks have watched him now, and they've seen, they've seen I won't say a little bit of everything. I think they'd be pushing it, but... They've seen a good bit, right? They've seen various sides of Shiflet. So tell us a little bit about the young man and what uh, you know what he brings to the table and your thoughts on what he has done to this point this season with uh, with the two and two win loss. Well, I think he's done he's done well. I really do. I think he can and I think he can be even better. You know, he's got a good power fastball, good curveball, good changeup three-pitch mix, those guys that can do that usually can be successful. And when you put a little mentality behind it, their stuff can play up even better than what it it really is. And he's got a little bit of all of that. He really does. He's he's, obviously started a game for us, and he's pitched out of the pen. He's pitched some big innings out of the pen. But I think Drew can – we love Drew. Uh, we love what he's done for us. But I think he can be even better. He can, he can, you know, clean some things up and just be a more dominant factor for us. I think throughout the year, depending on how weeks set up and, and how things go, you'll see Drew – you'll probably see him start a game again at some point because, you know, he has the – the ability to start a game with the three pitch mix, as I said, but he also has the ability if he's able to, and if we need him to close out a game pitch on the back end, because this stuff is so good. Um, and as long as, as it will keep a, a, a tough mentality, then he's going to be fine wherever he pitches. But, but we're very glad that he's here. Uh, he's overcome a lot um, to be here. And, you know, he's he's drawing off all those experiences that he's had in the past, whether it be at Texas or, or, or somewhere else, other places, and some of those obstacles that he's had to overcome, and he's using that. You know, we tell our guys all the time to, to find that pain that you have inside of you and, and use it for your success. So he's 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 been able to do that, to tap into some of that and, and use some of that to create – some of the success that he's had for us. Anthony Babineau, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Um, Tommy Ray, you know, we've seen him twice. Uh, we saw him against UC Irvine, and he, um, he he looked strong in relief, you know, on opening night. We saw him earn the start against Stanford, and Stanford's, you know, a top-five team in the country. Um, and it was, a, it was a different outing, right, a different opponent. Uh we haven't seen a lot of them, right? We've seen them on the mound twice. Just looking for a little more on the young man and um, what you guys anticipate, you know, moving forward, if, if he's still the guy this Friday and, uh, and, and how you feel about his two appearances so far this year. Well, I think his two appearances this year have been outstanding. They really have. You know, each appearance that he's had since the spring started back in January, you know, so including inter-squads, into the season he's gotten better and better sharper and sharper and he's thrown more 
of the way that we anticipated that he threw would throw when we signed him. You know, he's a big arm, a power arm. When he can stay in the strike zone, you know, he had some 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 issues very early on this spring where he wasn't commanding the zone, he wasn't in the strike zone, but then he would get better and he'd get better and he'd get better and he'd get better. You know, he started both of our fall games this past fall, and I thought what he did against Stanford was was good. It was really, really good against, as you mentioned, that caliber of an opponent. He pounded the strike zone, especially in those conditions, those bitter cold conditions, how any pitcher was able to, to do anything in those conditions is is beyond me, really. Uh, but the fact that he was able to do that in those conditions against a, a, a quality opponent was just great. Um, you know, we need we need him to continue to pitch like that in in, in big spots. You know, when you can have a, a dominant Friday night guy, it's it's such a relief. It really is just knowing that. Friday night, first game of the series, no matter who it is against, you're going to have an opportunity. You're going to have a chance to be successful. That's a great feeling. Then when you're when you're flipping coins as far as who's going to pitch on on the opening game of a series because you don't really have a a weekend tone setter, it's not a good feeling. Trust me, we've been there. Fortunately, we haven't been there many seasons in the the 28 that I've been here. More often than not, we've had that guy. So when you have a guy like that, it's just a, it's a calming feeling to the coaching staff, the, the ball club, the, everyone that's paid to watch the game. It's a calming feeling, and it's reassuring to know that. So, you know, we need Tommy to keep pitching big like he is, um, you know, for us and, and for the team. No doubt. Anthony Babineau, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. This is a great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather, and... Circling back to Shiflet for a minute, I mentioned two and two. Those were just the the game results, not his. He's officially one and zero on the year uh, with the victory last night. Um, all right, two more pitching questions for you, Bab, about specific guys. One guy that we saw very briefly, I think he pitched one third of an inning, maybe against. I think it was against Indiana. Is uh, is Bryce Callaway? Uh, young man's a freshman, big guy, right? I think he's six four, six five, about two thirty, uh, and you know, I I heard some good things about him. Uh, my son's name is Callaway. It is my grandmother's maiden name, so I, you know, Bryce doesn't know me, but perhaps we are very uh, distant cousins. But honestly, I I just wanted a little bit more on this young man. Like you, you've seen a little bit of him. I know there's some guys you guys still want to see more of, but since uh, I guess the fans don't know a ton about him quite yet, uh, what can you tell us about this guy? Well, Bryce is a, he's a great young man. He really is. Bryce is originally from New Orleans, uh, moved to Houston uh, a few years back. So uh, we got him out of a high school in, in Houston. But I think Bryce has got a, a good future with us. He's a, he's a big kid, as you mentioned. But he's just and, – and his roles may – his role may progress as we go. But, you know, he's behind a few of the guys right now, but, but he's got some good stuff. He's, he's pitched really well in most of the inter-squad games that we've played. And I think you 
saw a little glimpse of what he could potentially do and, and be for us. You know, he's a big, as you mentioned, a, a big imposing figure out there on the mound. So, you know, Bryce is going to have his day. Uh, we've just we've got some guys ahead of him right now, but uh, we've got we've got some plans for Bryce. He's a, he's a great kid, um, very polite, very genuine young man, uh, but also a, a great competitor. You know, once he crosses those lines, he becomes a great competitor. So, uh, I mean, you got six. But, but in, yeah, there's sorry, there's a lot ahead. of. I was just going to say, look, you have sixteen guys that have that have pitched this year for you, and we're you know, you're eight games into the season. Um, there's a, he's a true freshman. Obviously, there's a pecking order that sort of changes throughout the year, and some guys move up, some guys don't, some guys move back, whatever it might be. But of 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 all sixteen that have gotten in there, I imagine there's a few guys you you expect to see more of. But how only eight games in? How far are you guys away, Bab, from sort of I guess finding somewhat of a routine? into i guess the the pitching whether it be on the weekends in the midweeks uh should we expect more of what we've seen so far like if that question makes sense like obviously you get into a rhythm at some point and your, your staff typically looks different you know later in the season than it does at the beginning eight games in do you feel like some of the staff is start is sort of starting to i guess um make it give you guys a little more clarity i'll put it that way yeah, it is because, you know, what you'll see is the guys that are going to go out there are the guys that are going to attack the zone and throw strikes with mentality behind it. You have to have those things to be successful, right? We all know that. So those are going to be the guys that you're going to see continue to go out there. And and if it's only five, six guys, then it's only five, six guys, right? Those five, six guys are going to be the five, six guys that are going to pitch. And, you know, you have seen the entire staff up to this point, but you've got to get those guys out there and look, a lot of these innings for these first eight games have been preset. You know, we, we, there's been times where we could have left guys in that were doing really, really well, but, You've got to see those other guys. You've got to know who you're going to be able to count on. You've got to know and see what they're going to do once they tow that rubber. And that is starting to take shape a little better. Uh, same thing on the position player side. You know, we're starting to, to learn, starting to find out who the tough guys are, who are the guys that are going to be able to play unafraid to crash and burn, like I mentioned earlier. You know, those are the guys that are going to allow you to be successful, allow the team to be successful and become the players that you count on. So it is starting to take shape a little bit. You know, it's still early, but, you know, we use that term a lot. It's still early, but before you know it, it's not going to be early. It's going to be, you know, too late, maybe, so to speak. So, you know, we've got to we've got to narrow down who those who those aggressors are going to be, who who those alpha dogs on the mound are going to be that can can pound the zone, can feel their position, can hold runners. You know, that's what we need on the mound. So, the more and more that we go, the more that's going to settle itself in. As a coaching staff, we're going to be comfortable with 
as a team, the team's going to be comfortable with and want to play behind. So that stuff always, always sorts itself out. It really does as you get more and more into the season. Coach Anthony Babineau, our guest, Louisiana Raging Cajun Baseball, taking on Northwestern State tonight at 6, Rally Program Appreciation Night over at Russo Park. 5.30 pregame right here on ESPN Lafayette. Uh, Cody Juno will be doing play-by-play. Brad Topham, safe, will be in the booth with Cody and uh, looking forward to tonight's game. And then this weekend, Coach, Southern Miss. So, Somewhat of a familiar opponent. It's not like uh, you guys rarely play, but they're about to be an extremely familiar opponent as they enter the Sun Belt. I haven't really gotten your take on this, and I, I imagine it would be about uh, the same as, as most folks I've talked to, but what are your thoughts on the upcoming additions uh, to the Sun Belt and its impact on the you know the Sun Belt as a baseball conference? Well, as far as, as a baseball conference goes – the impact is tremendous because you take two to three really good baseball playing schools and add them to our conference. And, you know, the conference RPI automatically goes up with the addition of those schools. I mean, Southern Miss, a perennial, really their program a lot in a lot of ways mirrors ours. Uh, They've been to multiple regionals. They've been to the college world series Schools are roughly the same size. Cities are a lot alike between Hattiesburg and Lafayette. So, you know, to add another opponent or another team in the league like Southern Miss is is just great for the conference. You know, and then James Madison, Old Dominion, um, those programs baseball-wise have, have had some success as well. So we're very excited about the additions to the conference and and the fact that you know southern miss we've got another course it kind of seems like they've been in our conference forever right because we've had we've had a home and home series with southern miss for i mean as long as i can remember so we we've we've played them just about every year but the fact that they're going to be in the league now um and what that does is that opens up a non-conference weekend for us to go and get, you know, another quality opponent to either bring in here or, or go to for for more RPI points. You know, um, Southern Miss will take care of itself now because it'll be on the league schedule. So just a lot of positives that come from the addition of, of Southern Miss to the Sunbelt Conference. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Final question, Bab, about Cajun baseball. Generic question. Uh, so, you know, typical media, maybe coach speak, I don't know. What is the biggest key in your mind to getting a victory tonight? Well, we've, we've just got to continue to play our game. We've got to focus on us, do the things that we do well. You know, and I mentioned earlier, we, we've got to just that, that killer wolf has to come out in us. Um, as far as attacking our opponent, we've got to we've got to play unafraid to crash and burn. That's our whole that's our whole motto. When we surrender, when we surrender to that thought process, it just I'm telling you, it allows you to play more freely. It really does. And when you can play more freely, you will have more success. When you when you do anything without the 
fear of the consequence, then you will free yourself up. You really will. And, and good things will happen. They really will. So, but we've got to, you know, and then the baseball obvious, right? We, we've got to throw strikes. We, we've got to get on base and, and we've got to make things happen. We, we've got to put solid bat to the ball and just make them, make them make plays or, or try to make plays, you know, and then we've got to make the plays on the other side. Cutting down the free bases is, is an obvious, that's a big one that we've got to clean up. So hopefully that starts tonight. And if we do those things, you know, we should be successful at the end of the night because, again, that's what matters. At the end of the night, it's getting the W. It really, it really is. Six o'clock tonight, Russo Park. Bab, always appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know this morning after uh, the long week-long road trip and getting back at about one or two in the morning, not always the easiest, but uh, I appreciate it. I know the listeners and uh, those that follow Cajun baseball closely do as well. We'll, uh, we'll see you out at the ballpark. In the meantime, man, uh, I'll let you get to it. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the baseball, and we'll chat again next week. All right, Scott. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Have a great one. Thank you. Great stuff, as always, from Louisiana assistant coach, Cajun lifer, as I like to call him, Anthony Babineau. Be fun tonight, man. That was a wild game last night. That was a wild game last night, in a good way. Obviously, when... You know, it was good for the Cajuns because they won. Maybe not as good for the Demons because they lost. But I'm sure they're going to be anxious to uh, to get back to it this evening. And I, I'm kind of I'm with Bab. I like the back to back, especially when it's a game that it, like that one last night. You know, little edge to it. Don't no having to play them too. Like they're going to play Nichols this year in the game. You know, the two times they play Nichols are about two months apart. I believe. See a totally different team by the time you play them again. But that edge that you get sometimes with a weekend series, once you get to game two or at some points game three, having like a, a mini version of that for midweek games, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide. For those of you listening via the stream, it is brought to you by Champagne's Mark on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. When we come back, we'll revisit topic we began the show with, and that is the lockout. Put up a poll this morning over at ESPN Lafayette Twitter page. How do you feel about the MLB lockout? Devastated? A little upset, don't care. Your vote's telling in a number of ways. We'll give you the results of that poll when we come back after this. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Don't go anywhere.
Wouldn't you love to win a beautiful home and help veterans in the Acadiana region? The Post 69 Project Patriot Home Giveaway is happening now. Buy your ticket at post69projectpatriot.org for your chance to win a beautiful home in the Birchman Oak subdivision in Lafayette, Louisiana. The house drawing will take place on March 31st, and the American Legion Post 69 does amazing things for the community. Programs to help veterans find resources, educate the business community about why hiring vets is a plus, advocates on behalf of veterans in Washington and throughout Louisiana. They offer activities for youth and more. And for this home giveaway, you can buy a ticket for yourself and buy a ticket to help win the home for one of four very deserving veterans. An amazing cause we can all be a part of. All proceeds stay in the Acadiana region. Again, post69projectpatriot.org. Buy your ticket at post69projectpatriot.org. You could win a home. You will definitely help a veteran. Coulda, shoulda, and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Tomorrow, I'll be visiting with UL basketball coach Bob Marlin. Coach Marlin and uh, the Cajuns in action tomorrow morning at 11.30 from the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Can they extend their season? That game will be over on our uh, sibling station. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Working on um, trying to get Coach Broadhead in as well. The uh, women play on Friday. But uh, UT Arlington. On top of that, Mike Neighbors, who uh, wrote The Breeze Way, his book about Drew Breeze. Mike, a uh, good guy. Going to be in Lafayette uh, this, I think, Friday uh, at a book signing. And uh, I haven't got a chance to get the book yet. Plan on reading it. He is scheduled to be on the show tomorrow as well. We'll have some open phone lines tomorrow in the 8 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. For those of you that were looking forward to opening day in Major League Baseball, you're not going to get it this year, at least not when you thought you would. The negotiations between the Players Association and the owners went into the early morning, and despite some reports that they might be close, they are apparently very far apart. Now, 27 years ago, a strike hurt the sport to say it nearly killed it yeah it set it back for sure the difference is back then baseball prior to the 94-95 strike was it was like really really thriving it was much more popular than it currently is here in the US it takes two parties to reach an agreement, that according to MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred. And the leverage on both sides didn't work. 
They are digging in deeper. And really, you know, does either side gain more leverage in negotiations if the regular season continues to be delayed? In these kind of things, owners always have the upper hand because they're billionaires. In a lot of cases, they're either billionaires that bought a team or they've acquired the billions because it's been a team that's been passed through their family over generations. Players, their careers are shorter. At some point, some of them are like, look, we got to get going here. The public support seems to be in the, in the players' favor. But at the end of the day, in the business, it always comes down to money. And while the owners agreed to some things such as, okay, salary floor, with a lower ceiling and minimum salaries, luxury tax threshold. What they didn't want to do was just put more money into the pot. They just wanted to reallocate money. And that is a pressing issue. There are a number of ones, but that's big. And the gap, the gap remains very, very wide right now. The owners don't want to spend significantly more than they are right now. Players say, hey, look, expanded postseason, the influx of gambling money that could be coming in with sponsors, and that's one thing Major League Baseball needs to do is lean into that. Uh, Okay, the Black Sox, Pete Rose, that was a long time ago. Lean into the online betting, the excitement pitch by pitch, live in-game, all of that stuff, because right now there is certainly a disconnect with Major League Baseball and the younger generations. That's going to do it for me. Dan Patrick is next right here. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow on The Great Scott Show, bright and early, 7 a.m. Can't wait.